It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Derek Draper. And I'm Eloa, and on this episode of Derek Draper's Space, we're going to be talking about Chapter 8 of Create Space, which is Space to Deliver. Um, the story in this chapter is about Tamsin and her missing delivery, uh, and it's not, it's not lost in the post. Um, and the lesson of this chapter is this. Mm. Only by ruthlessly focusing and prioritising will you be able to create the space to think about and deliver what really matters. Um, I love that, ruthlessly focusing mm. and prioritising. Mm -hmm. There's loads to talk about in this chapter, but mm -hmm. first, can you tell us the story of Tamsin? Yeah, I mean, so so just to put it in context, this this is the the second uh, chapter in the part of the book on creating space to do, and it picks up very much from the the, the first uh, uh, chapter and episode that we've done, which was about planning right, and goals. But in a way, that was about like the Uber plan, like your big goal and how you're going to get there. This chapter is more about kind of delivering on a day-to-day -day level as well, right? So how, how do you manage your time? How do you actually uh, manage your tasks, right? Um, and Tamsin was someone who sort of couldn't do that, right? And from the first moment that we met, when I think she was on the phone whilst talking to her assistant who was running after her with a big pile of stuff, dropping it. I mean, it was like something out of a sitcom, right? Um, sort of waving to me, you know, because she was so important, you know, she couldn't stop. Um, and then sitting down and trying to sort of, you know, respond to text messages during our first coaching session. And I'd been brought in because she had managed to, she, she, I mean, it was very interesting. She came from a very uh, poor background. And again, without going into the details of the story, she kind of learned growing up that she had to do everything, right? Or the whole thing would collapse. And, and she'd take, this is the absolute great example of a core pathogenic belief, Right. She grew up thinking, I've got to do everything or everything will collapse. And now she was a relatively successful managing director of her own business, and she still had that mentality. And that explained why she was doing it. Now, the problem was it was kind of true when she was a teenager, right, because of the home she came from. It wasn't true now, right? And in fact, of course, it's the opposite was true, which is she couldn't do everything, right? And, and it wasn't going to collapse, right? Ironically, by doing what she was doing, she was being about the conditions work. So she'd she'd she she'd had taken investment from a private equity firm, and that they, they of course had come in and seen her work and and thought, you know, this isn't working right. You know, she she needs to kind of totally change how she's delivering. Um, 
And it was all about focusing and prioritizing, right? Which, which you couldn't do. So she thought she had to do everything. And if you asked her to do something, she would say, oh, yes, sure. And then not do it, you know. So she was trying to please people. And actually, she was just sort of annoying everybody, you know. So it was a very crucial thing for her, right? Because, you know, they, they were going to get her out, right? Unless she changed. Um, and I won't tell you what happened because spoil the story. Um, but it was a it was a, a a really interesting case. It feels to me like one of the clearest examples in the book of the impact that one of these core pathogenic beliefs can have on your behaviour and yeah. then on your work and yeah. on your career. Yeah. yeah. Um, because it really was quite a, a risky, yes. um, precarious That's situation right. that she was in. That's right. And one of the things that fed into that was um, what you you call the world's worst feedback. Yeah. Well, and that's the point, right? So, you know, on a on a deeper level, what happened was that that she, that she she had learned growing up that her value was being the person that did everything for everybody. Right. That is how she got her value initially at home and then in, in a care home, and you know, um, and so it was very clear to see where it had come from. Right. Um, but it was leading to, as I say, a really serious situation. So I, I put it in the book because it's the world's worst fear. And I do emphasise that everyone is disguised. There's no such person as Tamsin. But I did work with someone in a very different industry who was, you know, who had the same psychology. Um, I think it was even a man. Right. But, you know, in the story, keeping with the story of Tamsin, this is what people, but this is the actual feedback from the real thing that happened, right? It's not made up, right? Now, don't forget, this is a people pleaser. She wants to, she's not a horrible person, right? She wants to help. She wants to be nice, right? She doesn't want to let anyone down. She wants to deliver. She wants to deliver. This is what everyone said about her. She doesn't listen. She's all talk. I've basically caught her out in birthface lies. You can't trust her. I now just avoid her and let her live in her fantasy world. She never does what she says she will do. You can't rely on her to deliver. And then in the book, it says, as I related all this, her expression was blank. Then she slowly turned red and began to sob. Mm. I know, I know, I know, she sniffed. They're right. right? So she also knew it. Living in a fantasy right, world. Um, so yeah, it, it, you know, really important for her to, to make some change. So the fundamental lesson for Tamsin was that she had to learn how to execute, how mm. to actually get the job done. To what extent do you think that is a learnable skill? There's a, there's a brilliant book, um, by, um, Ranchuran and I think Larry Bossidy, uh, called, which is called Execution, the Discipline of Getting Things Done. Right, because that—that's what it's about. It's doing things, getting them over the line. Right, doing that and moving on to the next thing, not having like twenty things you're doing that never get done. That is not executing. Right, I'm very busy. I've got all of these priorities and plans. Uh, 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 do any of them get done? No. Well, you might as well stay at home, right? So don't look busy, right? Because you're not—you're not achieving it. Business isn't about the input; it's about the output. Right? Productivity is about actually doing things. But they're right to, to have named that book in the way they do, which is the discipline right, of getting things done. And it has two meanings. That is, yes, it takes a lot of discipline to get things done, but it's also a discipline is something you can learn, right? And funny enough, out of all of the 12 chapters of the book, I think you can improve on all of them, right, with, with, with uh, reflection and support, um, reading stuff. But, but execution is the one where I think it's most developable, right? It's most to do with, well, what have you done? Right, what have you achieved? And it's actually why that's what CVs are, 
write CVs now uh, rather than just I was at this job and that job. It, they're always like, at this job, I achieved X, Y, and Z, right? Everyone hated me. I hated the job. Doesn't get in, right? I achieved X, Y, and Z, right? So that, that sense of getting things done. And, and I think you can get better at it. But, you know, and the book is full of tips. We might go on to them in a minute, right, about how you can do that, how you can execute better and, and quicker, right? Um, but you also have to deal with the kind of psychological barriers to why you're not doing that, right? And that, that was the issue with Tamsin, right? She had this psychological barrier that we had to try and work on first because no number of tools or tips or models would have helped her, right? Did she share any worries that you see other CEOs or other senior leaders having? Well, very regularly, the the survey of, of the annual surveys of CEOs, when they say, what are you worried about, right? It, it's about this, right? It's about achieving their, them, delivering what they're supposed to deliver, right? Which we, we go on to in another episode around lead, leadership when you actually step up a, a, another level in terms of delivery, right? Um, but also... Uh, you know, other people delivering for them, right? Because because a proper leader is delegating huge tasks, right? Um, and so you've got to think, well, you know, we're, we're dependent. On, I worked for Spirits Company for a long time. We're dependent on that launch of that new whiskey, right? In that region, is Sally going to be able to pull it off or not? Right. So that that's that's you know the 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 meat and drink of a of a CEO's life of any business's life is, are we Am I, are they going to be able to deliver? So as you said, this is an area where you can strategically, practically, there are loads of tips, there are loads of tools, there are things that people can do. Can you take us through some of the tips that are in the book and any that come to mind? Yep. So more in the the chapter on um, planning, but you've got to have your goal, right? Because if you don't know what you're supposed to deliver... You know, this is common sense, right? But believe me, I have met with, you know, companies really big companies, really senior people, and if you say, well, what are you supposed to be delivering? They don't know, right? So, so uh, uh, which is sort of insane, right? So you have to know what what am I supposed to be delivering? What are we supposed to be delivering? Um, I think then my other big tip would be to uh, avoid multitasking, right? So multitasking is a, a terrible interference with the idea of getting things done. Um, now, when we were in the book starts with a story about me standing on a, on a mountain looking at the Serengeti Valley and talking about ancient men and women who lived in a very different way and had limitless space, right? So they didn't have these, you know, you know I don't know if they even had names, right? But Bo, the guy in the village, right, didn't have a, 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 a massive to-do list, right? Go and kill a gazelle, right? Grab some leaves, come back home, right? It, it wasn't, you know, sort of eighteen, uh, you know, inter- integrated Google um, uh, apps. Um, uh, and but the, the the interesting thing is that what what those um, ancient um, men and women had that that we still have because our brains haven't changed at all in the last two hundred thousand years, right? It took millions of years for the human brain to evolve, right? So we are the same people that lived in those circumstances. And what God or nature or a combination of the two, whatever you believe, did was put inside the human brain a mechanism that liked new things, 
right, noticed new things, got pleasure from novelty, new th- novelty mm. right? Mm. Brilliant word. Now, if you're standing on the top of a hill and you're looking out as the watchman for your village, you need to have that. That's why it developed, right? And it's a hit of dopamine, basically, right? So what happens is, uh, and I say in the book, right, you know, um, ping, the movement in the grass. Is it is it a lion? Oh, no, it's not, right? Ping, um, something just noise over there. Could it be the warrior tribe coming to, to raid us? Oh, no, it's a hippo, right? So a whole series of things that meant that every time we notice this new thing, we get a little hit of, hit of dopamine, right? I, I can see where you're going with this. Yeah, mm. so today... Right, we are bombarded with things that give us that. Right, Nothing's social media worthy. being the absolute classic example. Right, somebody liked my Facebook thing. I've got a text. Right, um, you know, uh, it, 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 but not just social media. Right, somebody in the office coming over and saying, "Oh, that project's been passed," or "Oh, did you hear about Joe?" Right. Um, all sorts of things that I bet. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I want to hear about that. I want to hear about that. There's so many websites that are built to um, capitalise on that function of the brain. So you'll be reading the article and things will literally pop up out you. They're in the sidebar. You scroll down, something happens. There's an advert that pops up in the middle. And it's all about having that dopamine hit get generated. So you're like, oh, shiny thing, shiny thing, shiny thing. That's right. But as you were saying, when the brain evolved, the new things were the exception, not the That's norm. Right. Now they're the norm, not That's the right. exception. That's right. And so, so we have yeah. to be disciplined. So if you find yourself getting distracted all the time, right, even for things that seem to matter, right, because actually, you know, what the book argues is you don't respond to those emails or messages, right? You don't even look at them until you're ready to because the book is about you controlling your space, not having it controlled for you, right? And even if you know, Sally comes over and says, have you heard about the new project? You say, I'll, I'll come over and chat with you in an hour, just go get this done, right? But even that's an interruption, right? And the interesting science on this is that it takes three or four times the amount of time to recover from an inter- interruption than the interruption itself, right? So, so you're sitting at your desk, you're writing a report, say, or putting together some proposal or whatever it is that problem you're solving, and it's going to take an hour. And then someone comes over and says, oh, have you heard about the new project? You don't want to be rude, right? And you, and you are interested, right? And you go, oh, no, what is it? And they talk to you for two minutes. And then you go back to your work. You've lost 10 minutes, right? So, mm-hmm. so you're going home later. Now, by the way, that kind of interruption in the modern office does not happen once a day, no. right? So one of the reasons why people aren't getting anything done or feel like they aren't it's because of all those interruptions. So managing that, and the book is all sort of practical instances of how you can kind of make sure that you're in control of your time, not other people, is a really important thing that you have to master in order to get things done. I want to say two things. One of them is, and well, three, because I want to bring us back to the tips as well. Mm. So I'll just mention those again. One of them is that um, you said people f- might be feeling like they don't get stuff done, but there are studies coming out now showing that people really aren't getting that much work done. Right. And um, so alongside that study that you referenced, which I think was conducted by Microsoft about the mm. amount of time mm. it takes to recover from distractions, there's new, uh, which I think I mentioned in a previous episode mm. or certainly mm. in the chat that yeah, we yeah, had, yeah that people are only getting a couple of hours of focused proper work done right, in a work, right. in a in an office in an average right. working day yeah. because of all this distraction yeah. and and everything yeah. that's kind of going yeah. on and and the 
the lack of discipline and the yeah. lack of kind of deliberate yeah. intentional focus. Yeah. I know for myself, I've um I've worked in a productivity training company. Mm. And so I learned a way of working there mm. that that we certainly echo here that was like, don't think about checking your emails, mm. process your emails. So when mm -hmm. you go into your inbox, you're in there for the purpose, not just of reading this new information That's right. That's and right. getting that dopamine hit, but you're going in. If you read an email, mm. you're either going to respond to it if it takes less than two minutes. Yeah. You're going to file it away if you have to go and take some proper action on it. Yeah. You're going to put it in a file to read later if you can't read it now, if it's yeah. more informational. You're going to do something with that yeah. email. Yeah. And I still have to fight the urge just to check my email just to read my and i still do well, uh, it yeah. really does take discipline i mean i worked with the chief executive of an advertising agency and she never replied to emails that were sent to her ever right she would wait for them for people to text her right? because then she would know it's really important and, and she said and hardly awesome. anyone did mm. and I, when i say she didn't check them out i'm not it's not it, she literally never looked at them mm. so she, they, she would have hundreds of emails thousands Wow. In her inbox that she'd never looked at, right? And and soon people kind of stopped sending them, and they would approach her for the really crucial things, face to face in the office or by text. Mm. I think that's one approach. Um, might not be ten. Yeah, I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying, you know, that that's how extreme you you can be. But it comes back to this idea of multitasking, and I like the word that's kind of um, in the ether at the moment around monotasking. And there's lots of kind of synonyms mm, for it. Heard people that, talk right? about yeah. hyper focusing, yeah. or going dark. Yeah. Um, you know, put the headphones on and, and yeah. just uh, what do they like, have a power hour? Yes. Like, all that sort of thing. It's the idea yeah. of. I not used to try. So I'm very lucky now that I have my own office, right? But but uh, when I worked at uh, my previous consultancy, YSC. You, you, you know, I, I tried that, right? So I would put very big, I bought them on purpose. They were big Sony headphones that, you know, completely covered your ears like that. And uh, there was one uh, more mature guy in the office, for, uh, shall we say, who used to come over and, uh, and knock on them. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Charles. You know, honestly. Yeah. Time, and I said, please don't do it. I said, I, the one you were trying reason. to communicate he something. Would, I was trying to say, yeah. don't disturb me. He would knock me going, hello, are you in tomorrow? It's like, piss off about tomorrow. I'm still dealing with today. Anyway. Let's let's have a think about some of the other tips that or advice, practical yes. things people yes. can do. Well, so first of all, you've, you've got to manage your meetings properly, right? And in the book, there's loads of examples. Marissa Meyer at, at Yahoo uh, used to have 70 meetings a week, which sounds horrendous, but they're 10 minutes long each, right? sometimes five. Mm. Um uh, I've known other CEOs do regular five-minute meetings, right? Not all day or scattered throughout the day, by the way, because then you're kind of doing the multitasking in a way, right? You're kind of like, you know, macheting up your day. They would say, right, okay, so on uh, Tuesday between 2 and 4, I will do uh, 15 meetings, right? And they'd, they'd be one after the other. People would come in. They were queuing. Right? It's a little bit, by the way, like what used to happen when people went to petition the king in medieval England, right? But they would have to stay outside the court for like days because the king would go hunting or go off with his mistress instead, right? So, you know, but but that idea that the people are there, but they didn't mind that because they were getting the three or four minutes and felt that they had connected, right? To go back to, you know, one of the other parts of the book about connecting. They connected with the CEO. They managed to say, look, I don't want to bother you, but I've got this one issue, right? Or can I get your advice on this? He knew more about what was going on than somebody who had read 10,000 emails after mm. those two hours of talking to people. And I think it, it's this idea of the kind of relationship again. 
if I know that I've, I've got five minutes with my CEO, I'm going in focused. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be disciplined. I'm going to do the work yeah. beforehand to actually yeah. get really clear That's right. That's right. on what what I need that time with them for. Yeah. Her. Yeah. And people, you know, tend to uh, have meetings for half an hour. People basically have one meeting length, which is either half an hour or an hour for everything. Which is crazy, right? You know, if, if you're talking about the launch of the new product and you've got like five things that you have to kind of puzzle through and you want to have a collaboration around it, Maybe you need now, maybe you need it half a day, right? If you're checking in with someone on something um, or you've got an issue, right, why would it take on the fact? You can actually quite a lot in five minutes, right? You know, um, but people are just used to them padding that out, you know, making small talk. Well, it's good to have those social occasions as well, but why mingle the two? So that's what I mean about managing. You know, you have to, you know, ride, ride, ride it like a tiger, Mm. right all this and Derek what about tech because obviously we've all got phones tablets you know slack accounts crm software we're all using all these different kinds of software like you said about the google suite well i i uh, when when the book came out i went on breakfast telly right and uh one of the presenters um when i was saying look you know uh, she asked about tech and i said well you you, do, you 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 know you, you you just switch it off, right? You just put the phone face down, no notifications, right? Um, and and she, and she saw oh, I'm getting nervous already at that idea, right? Now the example I gave to her was you know the weekend, right? You're not really checking your phone a hundred or a thousand times a weekend, right? Because your mum who's a bit ill might have had a fall. Right or so, one of your kids needs you. That, that's not the reason, right? Now, if, if there are things like that in your life, you, you can get a ten pound phone, right, very easily on pay as you go, and and you can have that on all the time, right? But it doesn't have Facebook, it doesn't have Twitter right, or LinkedIn or work emails, you know. So, you know, I think people have to be ultra disciplined uh, around tech, or they they're literally taking a day that they should have directed and they should have planned and managed, and cutting it into a thousand pieces. Right. I am um, turn my notifications off at the weekend, and yeah. most of my apps I don't actually have notifications, so I have to physically go into the app to see if somebody's commented on something on Facebook. So yeah. rather than getting that alert popping up on my home screen I know myself I know that I don't have the discipline to resist the urge to right. go in and see oh right. what did you know Alison so-and-so say about my my post so right. Right. I kind of just put that extra level of discipline yeah. in. great um you've got this idea of losing a third as well which I think is important to mention well yeah so this is I think I have it in the book actually about the pendulum of kind of cope where you 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 have to go quite radical um and challenge people before the pendulum, you know, so the, they're there and then the pendulum swings the other way because of your challenge. And then they settle somewhere in the middle, right? So I'm very conscious that anyone can do, but yeah, this doesn't, this isn't really a practical thing to do, right? But when I'm, when I'm talking to someone who has this issue of I'm too busy, I'm overworking, my family are getting crazy about me, I'm getting ill, right? Whatever it might, my boss is thinking I'm letting him down, whatever this menage of nonsense around overworking might be. And I said, well, number one, we're talking about re about prioritizing right, and focusing. You you need to get rid of a third of what you're doing, right? Um, 
you know, and, and there's no way out of that, right? You have to sit down and somehow get rid of a third of what you're doing, right? Because not only do you need to get rid of the kind of 10% that, or even 20% that's pure overwork, right? You shouldn't be in the office at uh, 7 or 8 o'clock at night, right? And you shouldn't have to work regularly. There are lots of jobs where you might have to work on a Saturday or Sunday sometimes. Not every week, right? Um, so you, you need to get rid of that completely, right? That's just a, almost like you know you should stop smoking, right? So it's, it's almost a health thing, right? Um, but also, if you're going to do what this book's all about, which is take control of your life, take control of your space, then you, you're gonna and plan stuff, right? You're gonna reorientate around certain priorities right you're going to bring things into focus you're going to have clarity about what you're trying to achieve and that takes time and effort and space right so so you also need to get rid of things to make room for that right um now it is very very hard to do which is why hardly anyone does it you know it's why i sort of sat down and spent two years writing a book about it but you but but my challenge to people is what have you tried Thank you, Derek. Loads of good stuff. I think this is one of the meatiest chapters in the book. Um, Mm. So I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you're taking something tangible, something practical away with you from this episode. Do join us again for a future episode of Derek Draper's Space and head over to derekdrapers.space for more. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.